Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. I am excited today to bring you Greg Crabtree, who is a CPA, but he's no ordinary CPA. You know, a lot of times, they tend to be the postmortem of your financials, uh, you know, prep your taxes for you based on what's already happened. Greg's a little unique and and he really can help you plan and prepare and strategize uh, for the present and the future. And obviously he can do the postmortem as well, but I'm really excited to have him on because uh, we've had him as a virtual summit speaker and he talked about Simple Numbers 2.0, which is a book that He's written called Simple Numbers 2.0, uh, Rules for Smart Scaling. And so he really knows how to uh, not only scale your one practice or your one business, but all, but multiple as well. And we're going to dive into really how this relates to, uh, you know, one chiropractic practice today. He had a lot of great information in that virtual summit uh, lesson that he did. It was like 35 minutes long, and I've watched it three times. And, and I wanted to have him back on because I wanted to get a little more clarification. I had a few questions uh, that I wanted to get a bit more information on it. And that was the purpose of this particular episode. Uh, you can still find that inside of the Chiropractic Success Academy. You can, if you're a member, or if not, you can uh, go and register. It's very affordable, $99 a month, month to month, ton of phenomenal information there to help guide you. It's kind of like guided content that really gets you to where you need to be. You just have to hold yourself accountable with it. Uh, but in the money matters aspect, uh, his lessons in there, and it'd be a great supplement to what we talk about in today's episode. And that's at uh, www.csacircle.com. And you can register and enter into there and start learning a ton of information, including this. But uh, a little bit about Greg, you know, he's a CPA, he works with many businesses, not just chiropractors, he, he can be uh, you know, he's, he's works throughout the United States, all the way international travels a lot for it. He's become a foremost expert in this topic. And we dive into a handful of things, but one of the questions I get a ton from chiropractors is, you know, can I afford to hire someone? We actually talk about his principle of $2 and, and I'll let you kind of sit on that until he talks about it, where you can actually start to understand, can you afford to hire someone? Are you, you know, are you payroll heavy or are you burning your team out because you don't have enough team there? And so we dive into a lot of topics about that. We talk about what it means to have a well-capitalized business uh, between your emergency savings and other things. We talk about what percentage of profit you should aim for and a whole host of other things to help you understand the finances. You know, I've been at this, you know, for 18 years as a chiropractor. I've been a practice owner for 15 of those years. And it's taken a lot of time. And this is the type of stuff that I wish I had, because it has taken a lot of time to understand practice finances. It's different than personal finances. It's different than having a financial planner who understands retirement. Like there's a lot of nuances to really understanding and, and, and optimizing your practice finances. And Greg is an expert in that. And I'm really starting to put it all together here. And this conversation I had with Greg Crabtree really help that out. So without any more delay, uh, here is my interview with Greg Crabtree. 
All right, Greg, welcome to the show today. I really appreciate your time. I'm excited to have you on. We were excited back a couple of years ago. We had a big CSA virtual summit on Money Matters, and you were kind enough to uh, provide a lesson on there. And we got a lot of great feedback on it. And we're going to discuss a couple of topics from it. But before we do, uh, introduce yourself personally and professionally, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Greg Crabtree, I'm a, a practicing CPA uh, with a partner in Carr Riggs and Ingram. I had my own firm for about 35 years before we merged with one of the top 20 national firms. And uh, and really that was driven by, you know, we've created a kind of a unique consulting practice based on my concepts of simple numbers and the, the two books that I'd written uh, on that topic. So that was kind of what drew their interest, you know, for us. But after merger, we, we kind of keep doing what we've been doing. So, uh, so it's been, been kind of nice to, you know, be part of a, a, a large organization, but pretty much my, my day stayed the same as it was. So I end up spending my time talking to clients and speaking uh, to entrepreneurs all around the world. I actually just got back from a two-week tour in uh, Australia and New Zealand and spoke to entrepreneurs in six cities over there. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, I love doing the talks internationally because, you know, you really get a sense of business is business, no matter where in the world you are. Probably the only biggest barrier that's different is just access to capital and, uh, you know, how much capital it takes in a developing economy versus pretty much U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, we're, we're all business is kind of business and all those. So not, not a lot of differences. Yeah, and I'm assuming capital is probably getting a little trickier even in the states right now, right? It it is to an extent, uh, but there again, uh, one of the things that you know we're we're pretty good at is teaching people how to create your own capital through profit and retention, and and you know I mean we have a disproportionate number of clients that are successful and never have to borrow a dime to do it. Uh, and you know that's that's not a not a too shabby of an approach to to take to business. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to mention a couple of things because a lot of times with accountants, um, you know, a lot of CPAs will almost be kind of like a postmortem assessment mm -hmm. of your of your numbers. And, yeah. and you're different than that. I'm sure you do a lot of that, too. But you actually help get ahead of that and, and plan accordingly versus just say, oh, yeah, you had this much profit or, or you had no profit. You actually will guide the the business into doing this the right way. Yeah, it takes no brilliance to uh, look at a company's books after they're dead and uh, and, and figure <laughs> and then say, oh, well, you should have done this. You should have done that. that eh, yeah, that, that's a little little uh, little weak. I mean, it really is this idea that I mean, we develop, you know, and it, it's kind of one of those things. I don't I don't know how it kind of happened. I mean, it, the, these are things that are just kind of magical moments as we work with clients. And there's a couple of, of cornerstones that you put in place. You know, like the concept of, you know, 90% of the businesses work off of one important number. Just remember this number, two. Everybody got that? Remember the number two. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's a really easy number to remember, two. It's because that's how much gross margin I need for every dollar of labor, regardless of what that labor does. I don't care if it's the CEO or the, or the janitor, whoever's labor relative to gross margin, 90% of the businesses work off of that standard. I mean, it, it, and what we teach is, hey, I need you to be between a low of 1.9 to a high of a 2.1, but you, you gotta be right within that range. And if you do that, it pretty much works. And then the second cornerstone is capitalization of, 
listen, you know, and, until we came up with it, I, I don't know of anybody else that has a definitive for every business that's in a developed economy. Here's your core capital target. Here's how much cat here. Here's here's it's best described this way. This is when you know you're fully capitalized. The biggest danger in a volatile economy that we're going to be living in for the foreseeable future is you got to be fully capitalized. And if you have two months of operating expenses in cash with zero drawn on a line of credit, that's the green check mark that says you're fully capitalized. Those businesses are generally bulletproof. I mean, you have to be in an industry that just totally goes away or changes or you get locked out, you know, by contractual prohibitions or something, something really bizarre. But those are the businesses that are bulletproof and they get through just about anything. And the fact that we can give you eight, not not a range of numbers, not a, well, this number's probably okay. No, we can give you a number. This is the number that you should have today in cash and be zero on a line of credit. Because one of the guys I, I was speaking to, I, I also chair an executive ed program at Horton Business School for, through the Entrepreneurs Organization. And one of our class participants this year is from Sri Lanka. And, you know, his, his line of credit interest rate is at 25% right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a little challenging, you know, to, to, to make that work. And it's interesting to see how all of a sudden, even one of my U.S. clients have seen their interest rate on a, they, they were a, a leverage business that sold, sold product. They, they were a distributor. And because they didn't follow that capitalization principle, now every dime of profit that they're making is being eaten up in interest expense. You know, and, yeah. and it's like, you know, and, and there again, I mean, so you can get away with it for a little while. But if you if you understand, here's your core approach to creating profitability, here's your core approach to being capitalized. And then the third strategy is, as I make profit, what do I decide to do with it? All of a sudden, I've really got, you know, all of the pieces in place to make a lather, rinse, repeat discussion of run a profitable business make sure I'm fully capitalized, I got excess cash, do I distribute it or do I feed the hand and, and fund growth if the market is going to let me grow? Because right now we're in a market where, you know, we've, we've got three types of clients that cannot be profitable. If you're a home real estate sales brokerage business, you can't be profitable. There, there, there's not inventory to be bought and there's not people willing to buy at the current interest rates. Second one that's not can't be profitable right now is a mortgage lender. I mean, mortgage lenders are laying off loan officers left and right, and you're just hanging on, hoping for a better day. And then the third cousin that's not profitable is a title company that does the title for the mortgages. Pretty much everybody else, you know, even build. I mean, you, you would think in the slowing real estate market, but the builders are actually pretty pretty resilient right now. All of our builder clients are doing okay. Um, you know, they can find stuff to build. And so in an active operating economy, those are the only three that we've run across that cannot be profitable. Uh, we got plenty of clients who cannot scale for one reason or the other. Either there's lack of demand or there's lack of resources. So this was an interesting thing as I did my tour through Australia, New Zealand, and also then I had entrepreneurs from around the world. We had 60 entrepreneurs in my Horton class. And, and I polled all of them, every, every stop, every, every talk I gave, I said, how many of you are constricted 
because you need more revenue. And it's about half of the group. How many of you constricted because you need more labor? You got plenty of sales. You just need labor. And it was the other half. I mean, literally, I mean, we've never had this before where half of the people can't grow, even though they have opportunity to grow, that's, you know, handed to them. They don't even have to go sell it. This is, this is people waiting on them to do stuff because they can't get the labor. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, even with a softening labor market, as we've seen in the last month. All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. It's one thing to sit at home, in your car, or on a plane, absorbing knowledge through a pair of headphones. But nothing compares to being live, in person, with tens, hundreds, and sometimes thousands of like-minded doctors and team members at a live event hosted by Jay Geyer and the Scheduling Institute. Attending live adds another level of commitment to implementing what you learn getting questions answered on the spot, and networking with other growth-minded doctors. This summer, Jay Geyer and the Scheduling Institute will host their annual Practice Growth Summit, where they'll welcome over 1,500 doctors and team members from around the world who will gather for two full days in Las Vegas to learn from industry experts and business leaders in one of the most engaging atmospheres we could create. And no one is capable of recreating. Bringing to the stage, Heisman Trophy winner, Tim Tebow, celebrity dentist and inventor of Zoom whitening, Dr. Bill Dorfman, NFL superstar, primetime, Deion Sanders, host of the hit show, The Doctors, Travis Stork, and several others. Join Jay Geyer and his all-star lineup live in Las Vegas this June 15th through the 16th at Caesars Palace. Jay has offered 10 free tickets to attend this event exclusively for subscribers of the Modern Chiropractic Mastery Podcast. Don't wait. Claim your complimentary ticket today. Call 470-203-9447 or go to practicegrowthevents.com and be sure to mention the Modern Chiropractic Mastery Podcast. Don't wait. This is a high-demand event, and tickets are going fast. Yeah, we're getting a lot of complaints on that for sure. And, and a couple of things I wanted to, to definitely touch on and, and, and reiterate just so the audience hears it, a mm-hmm. uh, ton of good info there. One is two weeks, sorry, two months of capitalization of your expenses. Is that including what they pay themselves as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's all labor plus all your general operating expenses. It doesn't include cost of goods sold because the assumption is you get terms on COGS. But, you know, your rent, utilities, general office expenses, payroll taxes, and all labor, you don't get terms on that. So those are the things that you got to count in that two two months number. 
Um, and what's interesting is it, it's a number that is really, really, really close to what the, the benchmark that they use for PPP loans. PPP loans was two months of labor plus another half a month of labor to cover those other things. And it's like, guess what? I mean, it's like a gnat's hair difference between what my number is. Yeah. You know, I, I want to touch on that real quick because I was actually wrote it down as you were speaking. You mentioned the PPP. Uh, there's two yeah. reasons that, that I really wanted to have you on and dive into a couple of things. And, and one of them was a lot of chiropractors that we've talked to over the last mm -hmm. few years, uh, the reality was they got a lot of money from PPP. Mm -hmm. Some of them got round two. They got the EIDL loan. They got HHS grant for healthcare, ERC. Yeah, ER, ERC, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were with flush with cash. And a lot of the mm -hmm. chiropractors I talk to now, uh, they spent that money and yep. it's gone. And it's you're not getting it back. You're not getting any yep. of it infused anymore. And unfortunately for a lot of them, they're back into the same situation they were before it covered up bad habits. It was kind of mm -hmm. like a sugar high and now they're down from it. And there's an uneasiness happening there with, they were capitalized, but now they're not. Are you seeing that yeah. as well with other industries? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're not alone. Now here, here's the unique thing. So it depends. So let's take your groove and split them into two camps. You got the camps that are primarily focused on private pay and you have the camps that that primarily focused on uh, insurance payments and you got a few that are probably somewhere in between here's the problem right now that I mean I'm, I'm gonna tell you within the next six to nine months something's got a bust on the the medical side because it's like the scene out of the Star Wars of the trash compactor uh, the walls closing in because the insurance companies are not raising reimbursable rates of, that I've heard. And if anything, they're playing more games to deny more claims by some random excuse of paperwork or I don't, you know, we don't agree with that. And they're kicking a lot of claims back, which is just their way of, of punting and, and lowering reimbursement. And then, oh, by the way, every one of the practicing medical professions have had significant increase in wage costs. And that is not stopping because I don't think there's excess labor in the medical field by any stretch of the imagination and they're, yeah. yeah there's not and that leads me to my my second reason i wanted on here is that um you know a lot of chiropractors historically have asked the question but now even more so is um can i afford to hire a position when do i know i can afford yeah. or how do i like how do i know my overhead's getting too high because of payroll it's a it's a common question i'm sure you see across the Right. the board there. And what we did in our, our coaching and, and marketing group of people we have was we ran a big 20% growth initiative. Uh, we started that at the end of last year, rolling into this quarter. And mm -hmm. we actually just took a poll of our members. And fortunately, a lot of them are growing. They're, they're having a, a 10, mm -hmm. 15, 20% growth of, of, of revenue. But as you're talking about is some of that bottom lines kind of coming up as well, which you're, you're probably seeing a lot of, in the well, here's, yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, so we we have what we call the simple numbers 100 company model, and so we we've got 100 companies. It's about a 1.1 billion dollars of revenue that we track because the government doesn't have stats on private businesses. They they just don't. I mean, nobody listening to this call, uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, the government knows absolutely zero about your business for 22 as well as through you know, the first quarter of 23, and so they're just kind of taking public available data 
making wild extrapolations to make a guess at the economy. Here, here's the challenge, though, that everybody you know has to, to learn. We've had so many things move because of inflation and price adjustments uh, that, you know, even though your dollars in revenue might be up, did you do more? Did you see more patients? You might have, you might not. Kind of depends on a mix of you might change different procedures, might not have had as many high price ones. The insurance companies have generally not raised reimbursables over the last couple of years. And 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 so part of it is, is you know, you, you've got to you gotta have a way to measure output. And that's been the challenge I've been putting to all businesses of late is can you measure output that's not dollars? Because in a changing rate environment, you, you've got to have that that baseline to know, am I doing more or am I just charging more? That, that's one thing. Um, secondarily, our hunter company model, though, is showing us that we're, we're definitely in slowing growth. So, you know, 20, the year of 21 over 20 was like a 30 percent increase in that model over the previous year. I would probably say almost 20 percent of that was inflation, people raising prices. Um, you know, maybe worst case 15%, but it wasn't the, the government reported inflation number. It was much higher. Now, what we've seen in the last eight months is what we call a rolling three trends. You take the last three months, every month, we've had eight consecutive months of declining revenues, which our data would say we're in, we've been in a recession since the, the, you know, going back to the third quarter of last year. There's been a slowing of the economy, and and those are inflated numbers on top of that. So it, it, it's been definitely slowing because what's happening is there's been this growth, but there's been no increase in profit. Profit has been flat for that model for over 18 months. That's not good. I mean, when you have a sloping revenue line and you have a profit line, you know, that's flat, something breaks eventually. And... You know, I mean, and, and so once again, most of our clients who can set their own price for things, they we teach them. I mean, our number one play out of the Simple Numbers Playbook is get profitable what you got. I mean, they, they, we, we just pound that in and say, listen, you just got to get profitable what you got. And so that's that two to one gross margin to, you know, to, to all of your labor, including the dock labor, including, you know, your staff support and front office and everybody. And if you hit that standard, you, at least you're profitable what you got. Well, the problem is if you can't control what the insurance pays you, you got to find more ways to, um, you know, get more done with fewer people. Uh, you've got to, you know, look at, you know, focus on different, uh, uh, different billing codes that are more profitable or, or look for the, you know, market to more of those services that can be, you know, financially sustainable. And, th and those things are, are feel a little squishy to the medical profession because you, you kind of have this mindset, I'm practicing my discipline and I don't need to think about profit if I'm taking care of the, you know, the patient. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if you, if you're not profitable, you won't be around to take care of your patient. And, and yeah. so it kind of goes common. It yeah. does. And and one of the things we tackled a lot in this growth initiative was uh, what we call the office visit average. So a lot of chiropractors, it, yeah. it might be in the 60 to $80 range per visit mm -hmm. on average. And we looked at ways where that can go up. And, and even with the clinics that do take insurance, uh, we actually had one of our members today on our coaching call uh, they increased by $8, which is a mm -hmm. really good number. And yeah. it boiled down to 
Um, a lot of chiropractors that are in network with insurances, a lot of these patients have uh, in-network deductibles. And so they actually don't bill some re-exam codes or some things like that because it's going to cost a little bit more for that visit for that patient. Mm -hmm. And this particular clinic stopped doing that. They just drew a hard line. If we're doing the re-exam, if we're doing this procedure and we can bill for it, we're doing it. And that patient's going to pay that extra $12 for that visit or 25. And just by doing that, it's $8 a visit. And if you times Mm -hmm. that by, you know, 500 visits in a month or whatever, that yep. was a big jump for them and that helps with profit. And so we try to it get matters. that. It yeah. does. Uh, th- those are things that you just can't let any of that go by the wayside. And and really to your point earlier about when can I hire somebody else? I wrote a chapter for Vern Harness's book, Scaling Up. And and in there, I kind of talk about the, the, con- the baffle concept where essentially I used a profit measure to do it of where, you know, you, you, you try to get the 15% profit and then you go invest in that that additional labor that'll help you you know be be more profitable but it costs you money first and then so it drops you back to you know 10 percent profit and then you grow back to 15. you can use the same thing with the the overall labor efficiency ratio when you can try to get to a two and every time you get to a two you can usually have enough money to hire a person that'll push you back to 1.9 and then you don't spend any more in labor again until you get back to a two and, and so the idea is it, that's why we give you a range of 1.9 to a 2.1. You know, if you get to a 2.1, I mean, you're, you're pushing it and you won't be, you won't stay there because you got to give raises and those put pressure on it. And that's really what we're seeing right now is people are giving out raises, but we're getting no lift in gross margin, you know, from those wage increases. And, and so everybody's, our hunter company models running at about a 1.82 overall labor efficiency ratio. And so you can see the overall group is still below that. We'd want them to be up there to about that one, at least one nine or better. And then we don't, you know, we don't just pick the winners. I mean, we try to just pick a hundred companies of, of diversity of, of industry and geography and, you know, put them in there. But, you know, but it, it it's a, it's a pretty telling data set that, that tells you the headwinds, you know, that we're facing. And really the idea being as much as everybody likes growth, once again, we, we see a very significant inconsistency between some companies are able to find the labor and grow and the others have plenty of demand that they just have to turn down because they just don't have the staff to do it. And you know, and we, we've never been here before. I mean, there's never been a time in U.S. economic history that we've been at full employment in every skill set, in every geography. There's not excess labor anywhere. Now, they keep keep hammering interest rates like they are. Yeah, they're going to create 2 million people on unemployment just for the sake of getting us down to 2% inflation. Um, you know, I, I, I question the sanity of that that decision. You know, but that's where they're headed. Yeah, I want to make sure I have this defined, uh, the labor efficiency rate, right? LER, you talk about that in that lesson in your book. Um, This is the the overall number. I'm using this, the most simplistic version of trying to not separate it between direct and management. I'm using all labor, all all y'all labor. (laughs) Exactly. And and obviously, and a lot of times in a chiropractic practice too, it's a little easier because we don't have a lot of, you know, we're not buying a ton of yeah. supply and, and, right. and that type of stuff. And there's not a, a, a whole lot of management and, and things of mm-hmm. that nature. But correct me if I'm wrong, but let's just say a chiropractic practice has a revenue of 500000 in a year. 
you would take that number divided by, let's say, uh, in this example, they have $300,000 in labor costs. Mm-hmm. That I did that math real quick. That would be a 1.67. Right. That's a problem number, correct? Right, right. Right. You'd be you'd, you'd be struggling to hit your profit numbers. Generally, a chiropractic practice ought to operate after a reasonable salary, a, a, a hired market pay for the for the chiropractor for production. You ought to be able to hit 10 to 15 percent. You know, you should be a low of 10, high of 15 should be running there. And to be able to hit that 15, you'd be at a two overall labor efficiency ratio. Generally, you're going to have in a probably chiropractic the things that we would probably identify as cost of goods sold, you know, some medical supplies and, and this and that, you'd probably be five to 10% of revenue, you know, in, in, in uh, cost of goods sold. So, um, but that would be, that'd be kind of the, that's the numerator and the denominator is a whole labor. So you're right. And, yeah. and the idea being, you know, you can be an okay practice at one nine. You really want to just keep striving for that, that too. That's yeah. So, in that scenario, if your revenue is 500, you know, you want to be at about 250,000 in, in total right. direct labor. And then I guess my right. question on that too is, is that also um, counting contracted labor as well? Yeah. So if you're hiring a person as a, as an independent contractor, but you're, you're not subbing it out to a company, that person counts in labor. I, I, I'm not trying to be IRS compliant to say they're a w-2 person they're they're an employee yeah i mean they're 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 labor you know for this this purpose because that you're and and to a certain degree i mean we've seen this happen a lot in the medical profession i I had the great joy of having abdominal surgery last september and Mm. you know and i'm in the hospital for about a week recovering and two-thirds of the nurses in our hospital were travel nurses I mean, and the, and the, uh, the hospital's paying, money. oh, they're making good money and the hospital's paying through the nose. And you see it, the hospital is just so stuck that they won't raise their pay rate to hire some of those people permanently. Yeah. But I mean, I, it, it just makes no sense to me that, you know, why they would do it. Yeah. And I, I got a couple of questions on it too. One of the things I really found interesting rewatching your lesson of, of last month was Sometimes you'll find businesses where they could be at like, a, let's just say for sake of argument, at a 2.5 LER, and they may they may be running their team hot, right? You see, mm. kind of mentioned like where you, you're going to burn them out potentially because uh, it's just too much. They right. need more right. support staff. Is that is that right? Yeah, and and you probably wouldn't get to a 2.5 because it, that's probably telling me that the doc is not taken a full market wage in that number that's generally the only time in a in a one doctor practice or even a multi-doc a couple of doctor practice if you have a 2.5 yeah they're they're still taking a lot of their expected compensation is probably still coming out as a distribution and so whether you take it as salary or not you kind of want to put that number in there that you expect to take home you know, and, and with what you really want to make and not ever leaving the business for capitalization or anything, that, that number needs to go in there for the dog. That's great. And so I want to summarize a little bit before we, we move on. It sounds like a really healthy practice right now would be at that 15% profit, you know, 10 to 15%, but 15 is the, the number. Right. Having too much of two months of expenses, having a unused line of credit. Right. Uh, that's all good. Having a, a direct labor ratio of two or that two dollars you mentioned, which is which is really easy. Well, overall labor efficiently. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Total, overall, total, total labor, not just direct. Yeah. yeah. Total, total, yeah. total labor. 
that two dollars or that you know basically that 2.0 really awesome uh is is there anything i'm missing there on that like is that the the kind of the dashboard of a really healthy business yeah the only thing that can affect a medical practice sometimes that we rarely see in other businesses is you could be stuck in a really expensive facility lease um you know, you are a physical required, you know, business. It, you can't be remote. Uh, and, and we're seeing a, a, a significant amount of disruption in the commercial property space. Now, there, there's some opportunities coming up. We're about to go through really probably the most significant economic contagion we'll see in the next six to 12 months is commercial property. Um, commercial rents are lagging. Uh, there's about a third of the properties that are going to go through you know, repricing to current mortgage rates, which will make them un, unworkable as an investment. And so you're going to see some some commercial property go on the market and distress sale. Now, depends on there's a lot of cash sitting on the sideline, kind of looking for some carnage and things to snap up. But we'll see. I mean, you know, there may be some some opportunities to, you know, if your lease is coming up this year. I had a couple of clients that were about to jump and make some some really expensive lease decisions, and I talked them out of it. And sure enough, like two days after they decided not to go after the expensive space, they found space that was, you know, two thirds the price, you know, that wow. that, that came available. And and so there's going to be some of that available now. Typically, medical rents have been pretty stable. In, in if you're in an area that has a, a an attraction of medical practices, but a lot of chiropractors are kind of spread out in a lot of different places. They're not necessarily in a medical area, you know, of where where they're located. And so look for opportunities to really lock in, you mm-hmm. know, some lower cost space. Yeah, I, I actually own my commercial real estate and I'm inside of a, a medical building in, in Boca Raton, Florida, in mm-hmm. an area that's a lot of medical but it's zone medical and there's only so much of that. And there's, uh, you know, doctors, at least for the time being, aren't going to be disrupted by AI in the sense I don't, where. I don't, I don't think Boca has got a problem, but there, no. there's other parts of the country that will have it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We don't, we don't have a problem. And, and obviously doctors tend to need medical space. So whether yeah. it's a chiropractor or other type of doctor, there, there's some stability there. And I think the other thing for chiropractors to, to realize is if they do own their commercial real estate, um, it's not going to necessarily impact them if it goes down, as long as you're still planning on, you know, having your practice rent from yourself that provides a level of stability for your real estate and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be careful. You know, that's one of the things I talk about in in the first book is just make sure that if you have that so owner occupied real estate, make sure it's, you know, arm's length, it's not free. I mean, you know, the, the business is having to pay for it. And so you just because you're, you're renting to yourself, don't make it more expensive than what it would be if I, you know, went into the market, you know, and, and just paid it to somebody else. Uh, and, and so you don't want to play game. And we've seen people have reasons that they talk themselves into of paying too much rent or not enough rent. Both of those are distortive. I mean, just 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 play it straight up because there's no difference when it comes to taxes as to how much you charge in rent. It, it all comes out to the same number. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's a, a good point. I was seeing something about the potential of a, a commercial real estate issue there. So we'll have to keep our eyes yeah, on it's, that. It's coming. And just be careful and, and just understand if you've got a mortgage that's about to reprice, be prepared for that, uh, that you know, if there's other alternatives or, you know, just 
just know it's coming and, and because I don't see mortgage rates coming down appreciably, you know, in the next six to 12 months, likely could, they could, I mean, I wish they would, you know, but I, they seem pretty stubborn on the yeah. path that they're taking. I got lucky. Um, I bought my unit in 2013 and it was a, a 5.3 fix for 25 years. And then I actually mm -hmm. refinanced uh, before it got crazy. I think it was January of 2022. I refinanced down to a 4.2 15 Super. year. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Locked in on that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's got lucky with some timing there. Uh, last thing I wanted to segue to, um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously when people start seeing that, that margin kind of decreasing a little bit, they look for things to, to potentially cut, to increase profits a little bit. I, I liked how in your, in your presentation, I watched again that you talked about, you know, things like marketing and investment in that had a growth to it and an ROI. Mm -hmm. What are your recommendations for business owners of, you know, like that idea of maybe not cutting things that are going to grow the business, obviously keep mm. a, a strong eye on is, is it, does it have an ROI, but what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, probably in the hierarchy of things, you know, if you're not as profitable as you need to be, you know, first thing is look at that labor ratio of gross margin to, to all labor and say, do I have some expensive people as time is, you know, as much as I would like to have that person who's worked with me for 15 years, if their pay has gone up for 15 consecutive years and they're above market, I, you know, that's one of the headwinds. And maybe I really can't afford to keep that person. Um, and I've got to, you know, probably have somebody less expensive, you know, in that role. And that's just the harshness of, of the concept of labor efficiency is that, you know, as, as I talk about in the book, the kind of the career labor efficiency curve, when you start off, you're you're paid more than you produce because I'm training. And then that's the training zone. And then I shift into the chasing zone of when my production is above my pay and that chases your pay, chases your performance, you know, for quite some time. But when you get in a position to where there's really nowhere to go in that position and you keep wanting more raises and there's no more output from that raise, that's a bad set of economics. And we're seeing more and more people finally accept the fact that they just can't afford that long-term person who can't produce enough for what they're demanding and pay. And you got to let them go find somebody else who's willing to pay that, you know, because you, you, the, the numbers just don't work. So you got to get the pay relative to the performance. You know, that's the first thing. And then secondly, you know, you start working backwards of going, okay, well, are there, you know, the second one is marketing cost. Uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, you, you, even if your practice is full, you need to be spending some money in marketing because you can't just go dark, but you need to evaluate of what you spend. Is it effective? You don't spend it just because, you know, you're supposed to, people ask me all the time, how much should I spend on marketing? Every dollar that's effective. I, there's no cap. You know, but can you tell me that what you're spending is effective? And I get it. You know, I mean, most of the time people come to you because they've heard your name from two to three different confirming places. It's not just one single source. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people get lazy with marketing and they fail to do A-B testing of concepts, ideas and strategies and, and those things. And then the idea is if you need to grow your practice with more marketing spend, you know, do some A-B testing, find the strategy that gets the best resonance. And then, as we say in, you know, blackjack, feed the hand. If you're on a run, keep feeding it a little. Don't just jump in with both feet and put all your chips to the center of the table. 
you know, you, you most people who are the best at, at doing this, they feed runs and then they pull back when the run ends. And the runs don't last forever. They never do. Yep. No, you got to have some, some variability. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an anti-budgeter, but I get it. I mean, you know, you, you know I, I think the moment of truth in controlling cost is every time you pay bills, am I getting value for that? I mean, just ask yourself a simple question every time, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a payment goes out or you're approving a list of invoices, look at them and say, hmm. Is this, am I getting money? My money's worth for this. And if I, if I'm questioning it, turn it off for a while and see if you miss it. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, you know, but I will tell you, there's just not enough other stuff that it's not going to get you there, but it is, you know, the more things that you just don't waste money on and, and, and don't cut off the things that just don't add value you get more runway, you get more staying power, you know, to stay in the game. And if you get those through, then, you know, th- those are the, those are the main things, you know, that always matter. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on your point on spending on marketing. There's this marketing uh, theory of like, you should spend 10% of your monthly revenue on, on marketing. And yeah. I just hate going at it about that. Right. Because it's like, yeah. so some businesses just spend 10% because they can check off a box that we're spending 10% on marketing, but it's not actually working. You know, if you, I mean, in a lot of markets that, you know, that where you can, if you can build that reputation and that stream of referrals, I mean, no, you, you can spend 2% on marketing and, and be just fine. But other markets with that, you know, there's more noise or, or you might have a, a unique spe- specialty. You know, it, a lot of it is what is it that you're trying to communicate to get people to know you? Uh, but, you know, really, once you kind of get your practice full, and, and, you know, you know, the chiropractors that, that I've gone to over the years, you know, they, once they kind of get full, it's hard to get in. I mean, yeah. you know, and you're, you know, they, they don't need to be pounding the, 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 the marketplace with marketing spend. They're just wasting their money. But that's when they need to figure out if, what their uh, LER is, right? And then hire someone mm-hmm. if they need, like another doctor and that's right. they can afford that and, and go in there. And this is where a lot of chiropractors will ask me even about hiring, say, a front desk. When can I do that? Or a second front mm-hmm. desk. But the big one is, is like, can I afford to hire another doctor? Because right. that's obviously going to be a bigger ticket item. So you, you definitely got to monitor that. And that's a, that's a that's big right. decision. That's right. Yeah. But ultimately, in that time frame of when you have to pay them when they're not producing, that's what we call launch capital. So that is you're taking you're taking an intentional reduction of profitability today to get to someplace more more profitable in the future. The nice thing in the medical professions, though, regardless of discipline, is there's pretty good guidelines on what that person should make that you bring in from a production standpoint, you know, collections relative to what their their pay is. I mean, yeah, you got that funding piece to get them started, you know, but you know, most of my my medical practices, they will tell you that the, their biggest question is not hiring the next person; it's finding the next person. You know, whether you're you're a doc or even even my vet practices, I mean, boy, they're they're struggling, you know, to find you know that next person to come in, and we got a lot of a lot of disciplines that are aging out. Yes, and um, you know, and so. 
you know, so to, and, and, you know, and the medical profession is a little bit inverted relative to the rest of the market. And this, and this part you have to understand, I mean, we, we're in a population inversion right now. So we got more people at the older generation than the younger generation. And that's the first time in U.S. history that's happened. Oh, guess what? 90% of the world is now at that. So, I mean, we're probably close to peak world population, you know, based on, you know, the, the more reliable population trends that are out there. And now the thing is, it's more the older people who are getting the services in the chiropractic world. And right now you have excess demand for a shrinking pool of providers. And so once again, it kind of sets you up to where if you can, if you're good at doing the private pay, you know, approach and winning those customers and creating that base, you got some stuff that's in your favor, you know, you know, going forward um, that other disciplines, you know, may not, you know, really have. Yeah. I'm, I'm very confident in, uh, you know, healthcare has got its issues. There's no doubt, but I'm confident in our sustainability and our ability to grow. You just Mm got to do the right things and have these parameters to guide you. And I think too many doctors don't know this information. So I, I really yeah. appreciate you coming on and on sharing it. I, it sounds like you can take clients no matter what state they live in. How about international yeah. clients? Oh yeah, yeah. We have, we have clients all over the world. So we've got clients as far away as Australia and New Zealand and and so Southeast Asia. So yeah, I mean it it it's you know distance. The the wonderful thing about Zoom and we were doing this before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, it's it's just a question of there's a time zone that overlaps some somewhere, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you can you can always do a call. And the nice thing is, what we do doesn't require us to physically be present. So, yeah. so, uh, and and we try to make it as efficient and cost effective, you know, as possible to give people that kind of that financial accountability. You know, it's one thing to get your accountant to kind of give you numbers to file a tax return or hand to the bank. But they're not giving you the, the the roadmap and hold you accountable of how your plays are running to to run profitably, and it's not as many plays as you think. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not a thousand things; it's a handful. Cool. Well, how can they uh, find you and and reach out to you? Uh, best way, uh, simplenumbers.me is, is, is the website, you know, for the consulting practice, uh, it'll redirect you to kind of the car rigs, you know, sub page of that, but that's what we've always had for the book. Um, and then, uh, you can always reach out to me direct greg.crabtree at com as well. But I'm about the easiest person in the world to find, cause there's not too many people named Greg Crabtree and you, you, you know, search on Greg Crabtree or simple numbers. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty easy to, to locate. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate your time and wisdom today. This was great. And I think it's going to provide a lot of clarity for our chiropractors out there. Cool. Yeah. Good luck. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, Check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab. Watch the short video on there and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos. You send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. 
We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth, and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.